You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. The scripture passage for today is from the book of Luke, chapter 1. Verses 46 through 55. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored, because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning again, friends. Welcome back for week three here in our Advent journey here at the church through a series that we're calling Advent, A Promise Fulfilled. For the last couple of weeks, what we've been doing as we prepare and ready ourselves for the Christmas moment, the Christmas event, is we've been dwelling upon and meditating upon all of the promises that God fulfilled in and through the person of Jesus. Chief among them, uh, his promise to come into our world, to be one of us, to become one of us, and to rescue us, but also God's promises to bring certain things into the world to us, for us, gifts like love, like hope, like peace. And today, the particular gift that we're going to highlight today that God has brought and promised to bring to us this Advent season is that of joy. If you hang around church long enough during the Advent season, you know these are the four things we talk about. And so joy shows up a lot. We talk a lot about joy. We sing a lot about joy. And I think it's safe to say that all of us, in one shape or form or another, are coming into this Advent season wanting more joy in our lives, searching for more joy in our lives. Maybe for you, you're finding joy this Advent season by watching your favorite Christmas movies. Maybe for you, it is gathering with your favorite people. Maybe for you, it is conducting those same long-held traditions year in and year out. If you're anything like me, you find great joy in drinking an ungodly amount of peppermint mocha lattes from Starbucks. Amen? 
Or you might be like my eight-year-old daughter, who there is quite literally nothing on earth that brings her more joy in this entire universe than Coco, our elf on a shelf. Anybody else putting yourself through the, the torture of this discipline, uh, this Advent, this Christmas season? Yeah. It's been already quite a journey for us, okay? This is only the second year that we have done this. This is one of those uh, like COVID decisions. We're stuck at home in 2020, so we're like, oh, this would be cool to do it as a family because we're stuck and can't really do much of anything anyway. And then a lot like a lot of other COVID purchases, like, oh, I don't know, a Peloton. Now we're not doing it anymore. And so... Um, Anyway, we have been on quite a journey because our daughter forgot. We set up the rest of our decorations in November, and so Ren forgot that uh, Coco does not show up until December 1st. So she's complaining about that. Then she's in school, and she learns from some of her friends that uh, you can actually purchase clothing for these elves on a shelf. Did you know that? You can spend money. You can literally spend your hard-earned money on that stuff. Casual, uh, formal, men, women's, they have all sorts of different uh, uh, clothing options available to you. And so we obliged on this one. We said, I'm going to buy one. One. Do you see that number? That is a one. We're going to buy one of these little outfits for you, and that's it. Then she comes home the next day, and she's talking to her friends who are also participating in this elf-on-the-shelf pyramid scheme. Anyway, she comes home, and she says, God, did you know, Dad, though, did you know that you can also buy pets for your elves on a shelf? You can have a whole barnyard for them to keep them company at nighttime and such. And this is where we put our foot down, okay? Listen, already... This elf on a shelf uh, has cost me dearly. It has cost me all of my creativity between December 1st and December 24th. I'm coming up with new ideas all the time. Last year, we got so desperate as we were reaching like December 20th or so that one time we kind of forgot, and so we just kind of, uh, Coco was uh, in the refrigerator. That's where she moved uh, that night, and our kids woke up, and they opened it, and they looked, and they were confused, and they go, oh, we know. She just missed the temperature of the North Pole. That's it. To which I looked at my wife and said, sure, let's go with that. That's exactly what we were up to. That's exactly what was happening there. So we put our foot down on this moment and said, no, no more, absolutely not. And I made it a teachable moment as well. I sat her down and I said, listen, sweetheart, it's really hard to be happy and always be wanting more at the same time. It's really, really hard to find joy in life, to have joy, and also always be longing and desiring more. And that's the tension we're all living in, isn't it? We're all sort of living in that balance. And so Advent is this really interesting thing that kind of comes crashing into our lives because Advent is probably one of the most countercultural messages of this entire holiday season. Advent shows up and it says, hey, friend, those of you who are looking for more happiness in your life, those of you who are looking for more joy in your life, guess what? If you want to find joy this Advent season, friend, that ain't an outward journey, but an inward one. You see, one of the things that Advent reminds us of is that joy is not out there. It's not something you finally get, it's something you can finally buy, or something you finally earn, or something you finally achieve. Advent comes along, the gospel comes along and says, no, if you want to find the real thing, not the cheap thing, you want to find the real thing, you actually don't have to find it at all. You actually have to dig for it. 
And you're going to have to dig deep for it. And so some of us, I think we're coming into this Advent season, and I think if we were honest, you know, we're not going to raise hands or anything like that, but I think if all of us were honest this Advent season, in one area of our lives or another, we're suffering from some form of unhappiness. Maybe for you it's relational unhappiness with your significant other or your marriage or the person you're dating, or maybe it's with your friendships or your family members. Maybe for you it's your job, it's occupational unhappiness. You just don't feel fulfilled or you don't feel like you're getting the recognition that you deserve. Or maybe it's just sort of like existential. Like you're just like, I don't necessarily know what the heck my life is doing. I don't know where my life is going. And I don't feel like I have everything I want. I think all of us are probably stumbling into this Advent season, suffering from some form of unhappiness. And friends, I want you to hear the good news today. That number one, you're not alone. Number two, I actually think our gospel message has something really, really powerful and something really, really helpful to say to us. So, without further ado, let's dive in. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along here today, again, today we're going to be camped out in Luke chapter 1. If you're watching this online, feel free to hit pause and locate a Bible or a smart device and turn back to Luke chapter 1 uh, with us today. Today, uh, sort of each week of Advent, if you're new to our church or new to a church that celebrates Advent, Each week in preparation for Christmas, we kind of highlight, we kind of hone in on different characters in the Christmas story. Today, we're honed in on Mary. And in particular, we're honed in on not necessarily something that Mary did, but something Mary said, or maybe even more, most accurately, something Mary wrote. Historically, here in the church, what we refer to uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, we call this the Magnificat, the Magnificat. That quite literally translates as to praise. And so I want you to think of what you just heard a couple of moments ago uh, as a song or a psalm uh, that someone has written to sort of articulate the gratitude and the appreciation, thanksgiving they have for what God has done for them and not just for them, for the world. And friends, what I think what is most powerful about the passage that you just heard read a couple of moments ago is not just the content of what Mary said, but what makes this passage so powerful is the context from which she is saying these things. For example, when Mary says things like, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. When she says things like, for the mighty one is holy and done great things for me. When she says things like God has helped his servant Israel and filled the hungry with good things, Mary's singing these things, writing these things, not from a place of power. So she belongs to an oppressed people, a marginalized people and the people of Israel during the Roman Empire. She's not writing this from a place of great wealth. It is long since believed that Joseph and Mary are low income. They are making ends meet. They're sort of scraping by. She's not even writing this from a place where she's got stability in her family. There would have been people absolutely during that time who would have believed Mary when she said that she has been impregnated miraculously. And there would have also been a handful of aunts and uncles who would have been off to the side going, "Mm mm-hmm. Furthermore, she is also facing the direct attack of an emperor who wants to execute any and sniff out any chance of any messiah threatening his kingdom. Simply put, what's so powerful to me 
about Mary's words here is that in this situation that is rife with suffering, with confusion, with madness, what we don't find Mary doing is complaining. What we find her doing is singing. I love this line uh, from uh, my, uh, one of my professors at Duke Divinity School when I was going through seminary. Uh, Dr. Willie Jennings used to say this. He used to say, this moment is such a perfect glowing example of the fact that sometimes, friends, sometimes joy can actually be an act of resistance. It can be an act of protest against all the forces of death and despair that are trying to take you. Joy can be the thing that you use at your disposal to say back to all of the wrong things that are going on in your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you still don't own me. Mary knew this. Furthermore, the Apostle Paul knew this. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, we read that uh, uh, Paul is uh, in prison. He is about to be executed. And what we find him doing here in this moment, again, not complaining, not defaulting to despair, but writing words like this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Furthermore, a person that I met this last month who exhibits this, you actually saw a little clip of our most recent uh, mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Another person that we met who embodies this is Pastor Hector. So you can see Pastor Hector right there in the middle of your screen. We're praying over him uh, one afternoon we had together. And one of the things that's so important for you to know about him is that he originally comes from Haiti. And if you know anything about Haiti right now, they suffered uh, the assassination of their president last year. And there's widespread corruption and gang violence everywhere. And so he's living as a mod literally modern-day refugee right now. And he runs an orphanage made up of children who either their parents have been deported back to Haiti or they straight up cannot find them. Anyone, anyone is allowed to walk around and mope and to see and to believe in nothing but darkness and death and despair. It's this dude. And this is the happiest human being I've ever met. It makes no sense. And in so doing, what each of these three people have done, more accurately, what they've learned is they've learned this really important lesson about joy. That friends, if you believe that joy is dependent upon the external things in your life all going right, your job, your relationships, whatever it is for you, you're in for a rude awakening because friends, one of the things that each of these people in their own way, they fundamentally understand on sort of like a visceral level is not only Will those things not give you, they won't deliver on the joy that they promised, but they can actually keep you from it. That if you're waiting all the time on for everything in your life to go right, and then you'll be happy. Friend, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time. What each of these people understood, and, one of the, and the thing that they practice is that they understand that the only way to find joy, the only way to even have a shot at joy in this life 
is to quell that little voice that says, no, you gotta have more, you gotta have more, you gotta have more. And they've learned to trust that God either has or will provide everything that they need. What does scripture say on this? Matthew chapter six, verse eight. Your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Now, I wanna unpack this a little bit. I wanna unpack this conversation a little bit because whenever we here in the church uh, engage in this conversation around, so the the term we use for this is provision, just a fancy pants word for uh, our belief that God's gonna provide everything that you need. So be happy, be joyful. God's got all your needs in sort of uh, in God's mind, even before you ask. One of the things that can happen sometimes in church is we can paint the picture in a really black and white way and some people can say, um, and some people have literally said these words to me. Some people have come to me and said, Kyle, I hear you. I hear all that. I understand i got to trust and have faith. But if I can be honest, I'm stumbling here into Advent today. And the reason for my unhappiness, and I feel like I'm being honest with myself, the chief reason for my unhappiness, the reason why I can't find joy, is not because God's not fulfilling all of my wants, but I feel like I've actually got legitimate, valid needs in my life that I don't have that are keeping me from actually experiencing a whole and a thriving existence. And so friends, if you're feeling that today, or if you've ever felt that in any place in any way, can I just affirm you really quickly? I think you were telling the truth. I believe you. In fact, uh, how many of you have ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Have you ever heard of this before? Okay. So this is a tool that was developed in the 1940s by a psychologist. And so one of the things that a psychology has taught us, uh, and so is that when it comes to human beings, and this is sort of human beings across the map, There are certain needs that each and every one of us have, not wants, but needs that every single of us need to have in one way, shape, form, or another in order to experience true wholeness, true thriving, true joy. Okay, let's break them down. I'll start at the bottom. So physiological needs. It's really hard to be happy and to experience joy if you don't have clean water. It's really hard to experience joy and and happiness in life if you don't have a place to sleep. Okay, we know that. Let's move to safety. Safety needs. We have personal security needs, employment, resources. It's really hard to be happy. Some of you know this because maybe you have lost your job or you've been through a job loss sort of season. It's really hard to experience real joy if you don't know how you're going to provide for your family. You don't know when your job is actually coming along. Thirdly, love and belonging. We talk about this at church all the time. We believe the way in which we were designed, we were engineered as human beings, we were designed for connection. Genesis 1 is not good for humanity to be alone, right? And so it's really hard to be happy. It's really hard to practice joy if you don't have friendships, if you don't have community, if you don't have people to share life with. Esteem, really hard to be happy if everyone around you is talking down to you all the time and no one's showing you any dignity or basic humanity at all. It's really hard, self-actualization. We talk about this in church all the time. This is where you find meaning and find purpose in life. This is kind of our specialty here in church. We talk about this all the time. It's really hard to be happy if you only live for yourself. You don't actually ever sort of branch out to see, like, what else? Is my life a part of anything bigger than just me? Am I living into my meaning and my purpose? Am I, leaning into, am I living into the design of who I was supposed to be? And so in summary, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. That some of us, the reason why joy has been so elusive to us lately is not because we're sitting there 
waiting for God to give us all of our wants, but we have real needs that are keeping us. And here's what I want you to hear very, very clearly from me. That's okay. But as you sort of navigate that, can I offer just a couple of quick pieces of coaching? Can I offer just a couple of quick pieces of advice? The first of which is this. If you are finding yourself this Advent season searching for joy, searching for more happiness in your life, uh, be really, really careful that when it comes to the meeting of your needs, be really careful that you're not retrofitting your needs using the cheap alternative. Be really careful, going back to that pyramid, that you're not retrofitting what it is that you actually need with some sort of cheap substitute. Here's what I mean by that. Some of you have very real needs in terms of uh, your identity as a person, your, your meaning and your purpose uh, as a person. And if you're not careful, you can go so long without that need being met that you begin to start settling for cheap uh, alternatives to sort of ram in there and sort of feed the thing that you're actually starving for. I'll give you a perfect example. During the holidays, what, are, what is the messaging you and I are hearing every single day from every which direction, everywhere you turn? If you're not happy in your life, if there's a gaping hole or a void inside of you that's keeping you from true joy and true happiness, guess what you can do about it? You can buy it! That's right! You can buy it! You're one brand new shoe pair away from true and utter glee. That is my personal struggle. Um, <laughs> This is the messaging. Everywhere you turn, it's you can buy it. You can buy stuff. You can buy better stuff. You can buy bigger stuff. Or maybe it's not even stuff for you. Maybe it's experiences. Maybe you are someone who you're like, God, I hate my job, and I'm struggling in my relationships, and I'm really lonely. But if I can just schedule seven trips to Disney World next year, then I'll be happy. Then I'll find joy. And you know it. What happens? never quite delivers, does it? Or it does, and then it's gone. It gives you like a quick hit of the thing that you're looking for, and then you find yourself needing another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. C.S. Lewis had this line where he used to say, the danger with searching for joy outside of yourself is that the things of this world who promise to give it to you possess an ever-increasing demand but an ever-diminishing return. What that means is that if you're lonely, that's the need that you have. Or if you don't feel like you got a lot of meaning or purpose or direction in your life, that's the need you have. Or if you just don't feel like you're in a place where you're getting the respect and the dignity you deserve, that's the need you have but you're trying to fix it with, by using people or using stuff, that's the way that you're solving that need in your life to find joy, friend, that is dangerous because with every new time you go to it, almost like a drug, the demand for it is only going to increase and the length it lasts in your system only diminishes. So just be careful. 
Be careful that you don't, as you're sort of searching for joy and happiness, be careful that you don't retrofit uh, sort of your own needs using the cheap alternatives. And don't fall into the trap of doing so because at the core, and this is my own life, so confession of my own life, oftentimes the reason why I will often settle for a cheap alternative is because, real talk, I either haven't asked God or downright, I just don't trust that God will give me the thing that I need. And so I'll say to myself, I'll just fix it myself. I'll fill it myself. I forget passages like Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. I love this line. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you then, being selfish, being imperfect, being a hot mess, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So maybe this Advent season, try it. Ask him. Start praying now. Start asking now for whatever the thing is that you need, not want. We already know the conversation about needs versus wants. But if there are legitimate needs you have in order to find true joy and happiness, ask and wait. And as you do so, Here's my second piece of advice, my second piece of, second piece of uh, wisdom. Before I give it to you, it just needs to be said that uh, there are some occasions as a preacher where I know I'm going to get up and say something that is going to make uh, most, if not all of you, uh, very, very upset. And this is one of them. So here we go. As you do so, before you run out of here and you say, oh, that's the missing piece. I knew it. Like, that's the thing. Like, I just need to ask God. God's going to give it to me. That's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And I'm finally going to have perfect joy in my life. Before you go and do that, please just hear this word of caution. Just know that even if God gives you the need that you have in your life, to find more joy and happiness. Know this, even if God does so, you and I will never experience total and complete happiness in this life. And for some of you, that's super disappointing. I know, I know it is, I do. But can I tell you why? The why is because, friends, if you haven't been hanging around church uh, long enough, you should know this is actually central to our message. This is a central thing that we believe about the world and about God and about ourselves. The reason why you'll never be completely and totally happy on this side of heaven is actually by design. It is because we believe as Christians this world isn't all there is. This is not as good as it gets. There is no realm, there is no pathway for you that if you just walked it perfectly, then you would find complete, total happiness. It doesn't exist, and you see it in Scripture. Paul, same person, same moment, same jail cell earlier wrote this. Philippians chapter 3, I now know, I know this, that my citizenship, where I belong, it ain't here, it's in heaven I don't belong here totally. I don't belong in this, I'm not a citizen of this country even or this town even. Like at the core, at the sort of most 
truest sense, I belong there. And so it's from it that we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be a glorious body just like his, by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. In other words, friends, it's impossible to be completely happy if you're never completely home. Amen? How many of your homebodies? Raise your hand if you're a homebody in this room. It's okay. It's all right. And so the holidays are a little bit tricky, aren't they? Because you go over to your in-law's house, right? And as good and as wonderful, and as and some of you are sitting next to them right now, so uh, you can just sort of sit there and go, yeah, that's fine. That's not the truth for me. I love them very much. Um, when you go over to your in-law's house, there's just a level of discomfort. They can be wonderful. They can be beautiful people. But it's not home. It's not home unless you can wear stretchy pants. That's my rule. Unless you can wear stretchy pants, wear whatever the heck you want, make whatever sounds out of your body that you want. You are not home. I will go to debate on this. And so, likewise, why would we anticipate that we would ever feel complete, total happiness apart from our true home, apart from our source? This is preacher math, so Take it for what it's worth. I'm taking a math class since my freshman year of college. But like preacher math for me is actually that I, by looking at my own life and looking at scripture, I actually don't believe, I believe the only level of happiness that's possible in this life is somewhere between like 75 to 85% happy. You might have moments where some like heaven breaks in and you're in the 90s, but you'll never be at 100 on this side of life. You just need to know that. And the theologian Augustine said the same thing. Augustine wrote this in the early uh, couple hundred years of Christianity. He said, our hearts will always be restless. They'll always be discontent, at least somewhat. They'll always be a little unhappy until we finally rest in you, O Lord. And so what are we really talking about here? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. This is actually not too dissimilar of a conversation than the one I have with my perfectionist friends. Raise your hand. Any uh, perfectionists in the room? Recovering perfectionists, right? Some of you are not raising your hands because you're like, I'm not a perfect perfectionist all the time. So um, takes one to know one. So you're in a safe space. Okay, here we go. But it's not too dissimilar from the advice and the coaching I give to perfectionists. Why it's so dangerous to live your life as a perfectionist in every realm of your life is because, and you know this, if you struggle with perfectionism in any part of your life, you know this. The danger of being a perfectionist is you will never enjoy, sometimes you won't even engage something that does not have the possibility, at least, of being the way you want it. Tell me I'm wrong. And the conversation about joy is not too dissimilar. There are so many people day in and day out who walk through life and they don't even consciously say it or even consciously admit it, 
but they say to themselves in some part of their being, I just won't be happy. I won't enjoy this job until I have this particular level of promotion. I won't enjoy this part of my marriage until this person cleans up this one thing I hate about their personality. I won't enjoy this part of my, the way I look or my overall sort of status in life. I won't be happy until it looks how I want it to look, until I have everything I need. Real talk. It's going to be like a Dr. Phil sort of moment. Okay, here we go. You are well on your way to being unhappy for the rest of your life. It's just facts. Every single person in this room has to decide for yourself at some point what type of existence are you going to lead? Would you rather live a life? of perfect unhappiness or a life of imperfect joy. There are no other options. Would you rather live a life of perfect unhappiness or imperfect joy? Put differently, is joy and happiness a feeling that you're going to wait to feel? Or is it a discipline that you're going to start exercising right now? I'll close here. Banjin, come on up. Hear me. Hear me. Some of you, you, you stumbled into church today. You stumbled into this Advent season today. And if you were honest, you were honest. You're suffering from some unhappiness in your life. Okay? It's just real talk. You're suffering from some unhappiness in your life. And for some of you, it is because you have an unmet need in your life. There is something very legitimate, something very valid that you need. It's not a trust thing. It's not, oh, I don't believe in God. I don't trust the God. It's I have legitimate needs that I need to be met in order for me to have a shot at feeling like I'm thriving as a human being. And if that's you, you got your homework. Start Today, start this Advent season, start before you even leave this building, asking, praying for God to meet that need. You're allowed to ask for that. But I'm also convinced that there's at least a couple of us for whom our unhappiness is not because you have too little, it's because you have too much. You got too much stuff, you got too many commitments. You got too many responsibilities. You got too many other people that you're trying to keep happy all the time. And as a result, you have way too many expectations of everyone and everything. And you've just sort of fallen to this groove of thinking, I won't be happy. Joy is a future thing that I'll find once I finally have all the things I want. And if that's you, you don't want to live that way no more. You don't want to live that existence no more. Listen, I can't give you the whole roadmap, but I can tell you where to start, okay? I can tell you where to start. It starts now. This holiday season, when you leave here and you're barraged with all of the voices that are clinging and clamoring for your attention and saying to you and promising to you, 
I know you're looking for joy, and it's here. You'll find it with us, or it's here. You'll find it if you buy this thing, or it's here. If you just sort of apply yourself and work yourself mercilessly to get this promotion, it's here. That's when you're going to find the joy. When you leave here today, the people who will be successful in finding joy are the ones who, in response to all that noise, will put a knowing smile on their face. And very quietly, they will say back to all of those things. Nice try. I fell for that lie before. Nice try. In that same moment, they turn right around and they get to savoring and showing gratitude and practicing thanksgiving in the example of Mary for all the goodness that has already saturated their life. The choice is yours. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's children said, Amen. Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.